Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Husker fans. Welcome to episode 184 of the Husker Football Fan Podcast. I'm Mike Harvat. And I'm Justin Swanson. In today's episode, we walk game by game through the Huskers' 2020 Big Ten football schedule with Jeffrey the Greek and Big Kurt from the Eyes on Big podcast. You can find us on the web at huskerpod.com or by searching Husker Football Fan Podcast on Facebook. You can also connect with us on Twitter by following at huskerpod or email us at huskerpod at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Central Nebraska Buffalo. Check out their website for their latest deals, cnbuffalo.com. Also brought to you by Monty Rohde with Pinnacle Realty in Lincoln. Looking to buy or sell a home in Lincoln or know someone who does? Hit up Monty at 402-770-3356. Justin, you had a late night last night. Yeah, we had a great conversation uh, with Jeffrey the Greek and Big Kurt and uh, got kind of a late start and... I mean, they were they were really generous with their time and expertise. So it went a little long, but I, you know, we all three of us were energized, so we just kept rolling. Um, so I'm really excited to share this conversation with you all, uh, just to give you kind of set the stage for it. Um, as as we've talked about, I feel like I say this every week for like the last couple months, but um, we've we've got this opponent preview series. We're getting started next week, and uh, this this year we're kind of setting the stage by uh, walking through. Uh, the Big Ten schedule this week. Uh, normally, when I'm doing those opponent interviews, I try to do just a little bit of a dive, not necessarily a deep dive, but I try to do some research into each of the teams so that when I talk to the speed reporter, I don't sound like an idiot, right? And it's a more interesting episode that way. I didn't do any prep for this episode. <laughs> that you, you that was why... research all of the teams we're playing this year for one episode? I pulled up the schedule. <laughs> Is what All I right. do for, for this episode, <laughs> because these guys, what they do for for their podcast is they just talk about the Big Ten teams. The, all fourteen of them, um, I think every episode they get through all fourteen. Um, uh, they're they are Iowa and uh, Illinois fans respectively, um, but they do a really good job covering everything. And so I didn't do anything. I just said, "Hey guys, uh, talk to me about these teams," and and they did. So um, really excited to share that with you and. It'll be a, it'll be a longer episode than normal, but I, it's it's really good stuff. It's not there's no wasted space, so it's chock full of great information. I learned a lot. I took a lot of notes for for my conversations in the coming weeks, and uh, yeah, hope you enjoy it. All right, let's hear it. We are here with Jeffrey the Greek and Big Kurt, co-hosts of the Eyes on Big podcast. Uh, guys, I feel like we've been talking about this conversation since before the pandemic, so I'm excited to sit down and, and talk about Big Ten football with you. Great to be on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Justin. Good to be here. We, uh, had, we had a pandemic, a trip to Oklahoma. I had a landscaping project. We had, we had a lot of things going on. 
and here we are. It, it happened. So it's yeah. happening. It's happening. Um, <laughs> the only one I haven't noticed is the pandemic. <laughs> can what? Yeah, exactly. exactly. I'm recording from a coffee shop. <laughs> um, well, hey guys, let's let's talk about the Huskers Big Ten season, um, and let's let's just kick it off with with Purdue. Purdue four and eight. Purdue. Uh, talk to me. Highs, lows, strengths, weaknesses. What are you thinking about Purdue? I, I mean, the first thing that I want to point out is just the fact that there are not one, not two, but three. Big Ten games week one. Um, I, one is fine. I think three is too many. Um, I've got mixed feelings with the mighty Big Ten conference opening up against each other. Um, so I, real quick, just I, I, I feel like that's a conversation piece. As a Nebraska fan, do you feel comfortable with a Big Ten game week one? No, I'm not. I'm not excited about this at all. I mean, whoever loses – uh, you're starting in the, I mean, it's not just a big 10 game, it's a division game. So, I mean, the stakes are high and whoever loses is starts their season in a hole. Yeah. That's pretty thing, much my take too. The thing that strikes me right away is you just look at Nebraska's schedule overall and it's so back weighted with, uh, with good teams and front weighted with, with the weaker teams. If you get what, what Nebraska needs more than anything is a fast start. So if you start with a loss against Purdue, things could start snowballing and get ugly pretty quick. Yeah, and I've got I've got Nebraska's schedule broken down into four parts. The Purdue game is by itself. I think it's so big it has its own category. Sure. Then you get the three non-conference games uh, after that. Then three of the lower shelved uh, teams, shall we say, in the Big West, and then you got those five gauntlets at the end. So I don't know. For me, that's how I break up Nebraska's schedule for 2020. That. That makes sense. And um, since we haven't started Purdue yet, I just realized I wanted to ask you guys to tell me about your podcast. And I just dove right into Purdue. Can you guys talk to me? Like, what's the eyes on big podcast? Why, why are you guys doing it? What are you trying to accomplish? What is it? Well, uh, first of all, it's a, it's a podcast that covers all 14 Big Ten teams. So in that sense, I feel like we're pretty unique. I've listened to a handful of other Big Ten specific podcasts out there. And you end up finding out that it's really an Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, maybe Wisconsin podcast. And then, oh, yeah, I forgot Rutgers is in the Big Ten and Maryland's in the Big Ten. So I'm not saying we necessarily give as much coverage to Rutgers and Maryland as Ohio State, but we cover them just like any other team. We cover the bad teams like Illinois. I'm an Illinois alum myself. So um, if you are – an Illinois fan, it's it. I think it's a good place to get Illinois info too. Yeah, I mean, same thing. We on my take is all fourteen teams, just like Kurt said. Um, another thing is, it sure seems like most podcasts are based out of Tennessee or somewhere in the South. Anything that's basically not based from a Big Ten fan has some sort of SEC, ESPN slant to it. Mm. That was one of the biggest things that uh, reason we I wanted to get the Eyes on Big podcast going was that you could hear a couple guys talking about uh, Big Ten football, not so derogatory and negative like it still seems like a lot of people do in the South. So how uh, how long have you guys been doing it? Just over two years. Awesome. 
Well, I, we're fans. I'm a fan, and I do. I will confirm what you're saying. You do a great job. You talk about each team equally. You got a little extra info, I think, just because of your inside information with Iowa and Illinois. But it's not like slanted in that direction. It's it's just uh, good stuff. So it's a good one-stop shop if you're a fan of any Big Ten team to kind of just get a temperature of what's going on in the conference without having to do a deep dive yourself. Absolutely. Well, and, and as a Nebraska fan, I'm always looking for people who want to talk about Nebraska uh, who aren't like Nebraskans, you know, an outside perspective that's straightforward yeah, you, and legit. You just took the words, right? I was literally, literally just going to say that, like one of the loudest uh, uh, complimenters that we've gotten has been from Nebraska fans saying they're appreciative to hear about Nebraska football from people that follow the team and the conference but aren't you know, in the uh, big red GBR world as, as much. Yeah, it's a, it's a big world. There's a lot, a lot of voices. A lot it's of, a big world just for Nebraska podcasts. I know, it, it, this is true. Yeah, I was thinking, I was running today. I was thinking we should do a big red, a Husker podcast roundtable. We could probably have a, 10, 10 legit people <laughs> yeah, at the table. For sure. you're, you're in a sea of red. Justin. Yeah. And you'd have to say, uh, this is Justin with the Husker Football Fame Podcast, and this is what I think, because nobody could keep track of it. Anyway, okay. So, uh, Jeff, you broke down the season into four four categories, and the first category is Purdue. So, guys, let's, what's the skinny on Purdue? Strengths, weaknesses? I mean, I, I feel like last year more people than should have been were in love with Purdue, and – the weird thing is, I feel like the same thing is happening again in 2020. Um, do I think Purdue will go four and eight again? No, but um, they still have a lot of holes. It's it's funny because like big names play, and I get that, but you can't win nine games, eight games, whatever, with just George Kalafkas and and a really good wide receiver. <laughs> You're gonna need you're gonna need more to your football team, and but those are the two you know people that they keep pointing out, and I, I'm gonna need to see a lot more from the other you know 20, 20 starters on the football team. Yeah, Jeff and I were one of the few sources I can remember last year that were saying no, contrary to what the national media is saying, Purdue does not have a chance to win the Big Ten or the Big Ten West this year. We were hearing a lot of that, and we just didn't see it, and that played out. And so you're you're saying a similar prognostication? So, well, going into – yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Greek uh, to a degree there. You're looking at the team, horrible offensive line last year, really bad defense last year. you got to figure the offensive line is going to get better. But if you can't do those two things, especially running the ball, they were so bad at last year. If you can't run the ball and play good defense, you're not going to win a lot of games – in the Big Ten. So they have a, a long way to go there. They also have a new defensive philosophy with Bobby Diaco coming oh, in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a name that Nebraska fans all know and love. Um, of course, if you ask uh, your iPhone, his, his name's actually Bobby Disco. <laughs> if you're looking at just the, the offense and the defense uh, versus Nebraska at first game. I feel offensively, Purdue kind of has an advantage because it's the first game of the season, and Brahm is just such a good offensive, creative uh, play caller. He always seems to be one yeah. or two 
steps ahead of the, the defensive coordinator. So I feel like they have an advantage there and then a disadvantage on defense with, with the new plan and, and just not a whole lot of talent outside of Corey Trice and George Karlaftis on defense. And Bell is a good wide receiver too. So they got two good receivers in Rondale Moore and, and Bell, but like, I'm not, and I agree with everything Kurt just said. I'm not as concerned as their with their quarterback because they're going to be breaking in a brand new quarterback. Um, Brom always seems to get his quarterbacks up and running, you know, even if it's a second or third string guy. So I don't um, think it matters who the, who plays quarterback. To be honest, yeah, it's it's weird. Weird, like they have a new starter. That's probably one of the positions I'm I'm least concerned about if I'd be a Purdue fan. But I mean, I'm just kind of. And reiterating what Kurt said, the old line, the running game, I don't, I still don't see much from it. And outside of a really good defensive end and a couple guys, I mean, there are a lot of question marks on that defense. And we have not seen Bobby Diaco put together a very good defense outside of the talent that he got at Notre Dame. Yeah, since Notre Dame, <laughs> so he's got a lot to prove. Jeff, don't you have – I remember from hearing you guys on your show talk, you have a personal experience with Mr. Diaco? <laughs> yeah, he was – so he played linebacker at Iowa. Um, I'll age myself, but the year after he got done, or it might have been two years after he got done, he was the grad assistant at Iowa when I was on the football team my freshman year. So I got, uh, I got enough Bobby D for me to handle for a lifetime. Do you guys think it was a good hire for Purdue? No. Oh, okay. I guess I'd have to concur with that. I mean, I feel like his his time at uh, Notre Dame is a little overblown because they they did not really see a good offense that whole year. Right. I mean, I, I like that he's got some big-time experience, so I understand that. But I feel like, you know, somebody in Brahms' position, if he wanted a new voice – go to the MAC or the SWAC or the Western Athletic Conference, go somewhere there and find a more seasoned D coordinator and bring them into Purdue with the Big Ten money. That's just my take. As an Illinois fan, I can tell you that Purdue was probably historically one of the closer teams to Illinois in terms of the Big Ten pecking order. And my guess is he couldn't get better for one reason or another, and it was, he just ended up kind of – settling for Diaco that's if I had to guess that that's what I think happened there yep no it'll be interesting to see what happens um should we should we turn the page to uh Northwestern sure yeah hey real quick before we get to Northwestern um this is my second category here is oh. all, all three of the non-conference games you've got um, thoughts on these I mean very quick awesome. uh you know, I can. You know, when we break down the season, we we take a little bit deeper look into the non-conference opponents. We haven't done that yet. Um, I just want to say I hate. I would. I would hate this non-conference schedule if I was a Nebraska fan mm-hmm. because I know I hate this schedule when it lines like lines up like this. As an Iowa fan, um, I know that Nebraska, like ninety percent of the time, ninety-five percent of the time plays a power five team out of conference. So this is an oddity that you're not doing it this year. But anyways, basically all these teams just line up as a no-win situation. I mean, you're supposed to win all three of these games. Like, I don't think Central Michigan will be much of an issue, which is weird because they're a decent team from the MAC. Um, but SDSU is scary. 
Yeah. There's, there's just, just, there's there's nothing I like about year. that game. That is a – there's got to at least be 30% of the guys on that roster that would have loved a scholarship offer to Nebraska. Now they're playing Nebraska. Yeah. Don't like that game. Um, I mean, they battled Minnesota hard last year. Um, and then you top it off with maybe the best group of five team in all of football. I mean, this is a scary it's an ugly nine, It's an ugly non-conference schedule. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll add a little to that. I mean, I think you can consider Cincinnati a Power Five team. They're they're just that good. If I'm looking at the first seven games here, that might be the best team of of all seven of them. Oh wow. Okay. I think. I mean, they'll be they'll be ranked higher than every other team on there. Well, that's sure. yeah. that's uh, that's fair. Wow. Okay. Well, that's scary. Thanks for. <laughs> I've got. I've actually. I'm going to talk to someone from Central Michigan tomorrow i haven't got anybody to respond to me from south dakota state and cincinnati but i'll be interested to see the one more thing justin it kind of goes back to one of the earlier points i made is nebraska really needs a fast start here let's say you lose to purdue you lose a little confidence let's say you play sdsu a little close that cincinnati game is going to look really tough yeah we uh i talked to dustin shooty last week and his yep. take was that he could see some surprising losses in the front half as the team gels and then maybe some surprising wins in the back half so his thought was don't quit on your team <laughs> which I know Jim in Minnesota he we were talking about it on on Twitter the other day and he was saying hopefully if things start rough like the backlash is not so bad that then the team kind of like cratered yeah. as a result of outside pressure so Oh man, I just my brain just got tied into a knot. Even uh, right, that that does sound like something that come, would come from Jim's mouth. Though, so <laughs> I don't doubt that at all. Yeah, the, the stresses of being a Husker fan. Okay, and uh, obviously the hard part. <laughs> love you, Jim. No, obviously the hard part is um, it, it was already a tough situation for the Nebraska football team without spring, with so many new faces on offense, mostly on offense, uh, but also along the D line. So um, that, that's the tough part. I mean, they're going to have Frost is going to have a lot of work to be done in camp to, to, you know, to get guys on the same page. All right. So Northwestern, I mean, two seasons ago, division champs last season, did they win two games? Did they win three? Oh well, they had they had only won two until their very last game against Illinois. Oh, ouch! I promised I didn't. <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> Not that I remember those things. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. What are you guys? Is is uh, is Fitz now? Fitz he changed some uh, made some staff he, changes, right? He pl- he changed his offensive coordinator. Uh, brought in Mike Bajakian, uh, who's he. Uh, He's talking a big game about playing tempo, and that seems to be a pretty hot word that a lot of new offensive coordinator hires use. I don't know if that's what I'd start off with. I mean, defenses have kind of, I'm not saying totally caught up, but they've kind of equalized that to some degree so that you're not really differentiating yourself there when you say that. But I think we're going to see a new look offense, and I think nobody will be happier about that than Northwestern fans. They were ready to move on to something else. Um, This is going to be one of the most veteran teams in the country. So I I see people that are really high on them. I mean, I'm going to say I don't really get it 
But then at the same time, when I say that, I start cringing because I know that Pat Fitzgerald sold his soul to the devil at some point. And does the devil still owe him something here? So, I mean, you know, last year, maybe he ran out of, of gas for the devil, but we'll see. I just can't count that guy out. Yeah. But you look at them offensively, thank God they get Peyton Ramsey coming in because they just had no quarterbacks last year. But, you know, Peyton can only do so much. Um, it, but they have they have very few offensive playmakers. I mean, really not. They, they don't have a difference maker on offense. Their leading uh, wide receiver transferred, right? right? He did. He went to Notre Dame. Yeah, he was, punk. I mean, easily their best offensive player last year. Skoranek, is that his name? Yep. Bennett Skoranek, yeah, correct. Nice. Nice you pull. nailed it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they'll, be, they'll be good on defense. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I know. I Literally, that's just what I was going to say. I mean, if you look at their S&P rankings – from last year, it was it was a good defense. Um, yes, I mean Pat Fitzgerald doesn't roll out a bad defense. Like they're they're okay. he's gonna go he's gonna put smart, pretty athletic guys in the right spots. They're they're gonna be good defensively. You know um, they're gonna make you work. Um, but yeah, I mean we're kind of I I love Peyton Ramsey. I mean he was probably my favorite you know non Iowa quarterback in the Big Ten last year. So. You know, I'm hearing a lot of people starting to list other podcasts, reading stuff that are kind of like sounds like they're retalking themselves into Northwestern. So I get it. The quarterback's going to have a dramatic upgrade. Um, the defense will be fine. They did actually find some options in the running game for running back, but the offensive line is average at best. And I'm still not convinced that if I got my hamstrings in good enough shape, I might actually see the field and and at the wide receiver spot. <laughs> and that is, trust me, <laughs> I'm I'm an awful athlete these days. I just think they're that bad in the oh, skill. Okay. And, and don't forget, they had a new offensive line coach last year come in. Uh, he moved up from from within the program, but you, the guy before him had been there for years and done just a fantastic job. You. you I mean, it never failed. I'd watch Northwestern early in the year. Their offensive line would look atrocious, and I would say, well, finally, they're going to have a bad year. Before you knew it, their offensive line looked great. Well, that just never happened last year. They, they never mm. did well. So that could be a big oh. factor holding them back this year, too. I mean, I, like another take I heard on them was, well, obviously Northwestern can't be as bad in 2020 as they were in 2019. Well, <laughs> I hope that that was the offense I have ever seen in my it was historically bad years of watching Big Ten football so they could improve from that and still be bad like yeah. we have to put this into perspective just yeah. how bad that offense was and as Justin pointed out they lost their best playmaker now you replace with a, a serviceable quarterback so hopefully it more makes up for it but uh I the other thing playing on the road at uh, Ryan Field you're going to be playing in that waist high prairie grass <laughs> Ryan yeah. Fields so uh, it may slow down it's as, it's as thick as your beard Justin it, it, my beard is quite luxurious at this point <laughs> but the good news is even though you're going to be playing in Evanston not Chicago it'll be almost like a home game because it'll be yeah. a bad it will be um I need one to- last one last thing is I just like in my mind I just keep picturing poor Peyton about the third practice in, and he realizes that he doesn't have 
Wap Fillier and uh, Shot to throw all to those him. guys. Yeah, what is going on here? Cue up Joe Joe Bluth from Arrested Development. I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very good. Um, yeah. So for the listeners that that maybe don't listen to Eyes on Big, uh, I, I absolutely loved the Hoosiers wide receiving group last year. I feel like oh, they're solid, underrated wide receiver group. Certainly in the Big Ten, but maybe in the country. So um. When I talk to the, the Northwestern beat reporter, aside from asking, and I, I want to ask this year, like, is the grass long on purpose? Like, what, what, would, you, what would you ask? Oh, I mean, it, he'll, if he says anything other than yes, it's intentional. He's lying. Okay. Are you talking to Louie or the other guy? Um, I'll go with, I usually talk with uh, Inside NU, the student group. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't know those guys. It's a different person every year. It's a different student is the. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, just, it's just ask him. Nature. Just ask him. Are you going to be my boss someday? <laughs> no, but what would you what would you ask them about the team? Like, I, I mean, I peg them on. Ask them what they who they think is going to be catching the ball. I'd be curious myself. Okay. I'd be curious. That's a good one. But I'd be curious. Just do you, what do you see as the long term projection right now? Is the Fitzy magic over? But they probably have no. Kurt, that's like the third time you said that. Now, could could we stop putting that out in the universe? Like we know how that comes back together. <sighs> I know. I probably just lost the Illinois game <laughs> this year with an interview. Thanks, Justin. My bad. Well, um, so moving forward, speaking of Illinois, uh, Illinois comes to to Lincoln on October twenty fourth. Uh, Kurt, what's uh, what's your team looking like? Yeah, I guess I'll take this one here. So offensively. This is going to be one of the more veteran groups in the country. But, you know, similar to not exactly like Northwestern, but keep in mind it's not – they were not a very good offense last year. But they return four out of five guys on the offensive line, return all their wide receivers. They return Brandon Peters at quarterback. Yeah, they lost a couple good running backs, but they've got pretty good depth there, so I'm not too concerned. You add a Luke Ford, one of the top recruits. Hey, welcome – Welcome back, Luke. I'm sure the NCAA will try to figure out a way to keep him off the field this year, but let's see how that goes. So I expect a pretty big leap on the offensive side of things. Defensively, pretty good in the back seven, super thin on the defensive line. That's going to be our big Achilles heel this year. So I think it's something you can exploit. Um, Terrible against running quarterbacks. Anytime you throw that – zone read at them they just look like they've never seen it before so I feel Adrian Martinez did have as one of his best games against Illinois last year well and two years ago too two years ago he literally could have done whatever he wanted now hopefully, that was a cold game hopefully he can throw the ball well but it I, it I feel like it's a situation if it gets deep into the game and Nebraska's not playing well and they're struggling just start running Adrian. I know you don't want to do that if you don't have to, but if, if you need to do it to win the game, I think you – I don't see Nebraska losing this game, I guess is what I'm, I'm trying to come down to here. Okay. Is, reverse, reverse psychology alert. Reverse psychology alert. Um, <laughs> well, and the other thing that I'll just throw out there is just, you know, where, where Illinois sits in the Big Ten, going on the road in a really hostile environment, big stadium – packed house, loud. I just, I always see that as a poopy diaper opportunity for, for the visiting team. 
So a couple things I would add, because um, obviously I'm not going to out Illini, Big Kurt, on the knowledge of the team. is uh, So one thing I've heard from Illinois naysayers is, well, they won games last year because of turnovers. They can't do that two years in a row. And I understand the thought process in that. <clears throat> but turnovers have followed Lovey Smith his entire career. Mm. That's what he does. He turns other – teams over i mean hmm. it's going to be a focus so i'm not saying i mean the the numbers were, were astronomically high i mean they were curry you could probably tell me like top 10 in the country for turnovers yeah i mean they were top they were number one very deep of the year yeah until they had a few injuries special teams were also really good as i recall yeah and kind of along the same lines there yeah special teams are excellent uh and that's a lovey signature as well i i will agree with greek that there is something to the turnovers. I do not expect them to be as good this year. But even you looked at 2018 when they were a really bad team, they still turned the other, other team over a lot. So I, I do expect them to do that, but probably not at the same rate. Um, if, if you're a, a, a uh, kicking game lover, just watch Blake Hayes, the punter. I mean, he is a – it is a pleasure. So if you appreciate that aspect of the game, he's the best punter in the Big Ten. Okay. He can put the ball wherever the hell he wants to. Awesome. It is, it is impressive. Um, so another thing I want to point out with Illinois, um, we all do this, right? Every fan looks at the schedule from their team's perspective, and they forget that the other team that they're playing has a perspective as well. So here's Illinois' schedule coming into Northwestern. I don't know, Illinois State. I don't even know. Nebraska. In Nebraska. In Nebraska, excuse me. Uh, Illinois State, I don't know. I think that's who it is. UConn might be the crappiest team in all the land. Bowling Green and then Rutgers. So, it, Illinois could be coming in 4-0. Mm. Uh, they, they should be expecting to come in 4-0. Yeah. This be, then becomes a statement game, a huge game for Illinois as well. So, huh. if I'm a – Nebraska fan, I think I would want to see Illinois falter early in the year to not have so much confidence coming into that game. You know, that's going to be a big part of the the story for that for this matchup. And not to get too down on Illinois because I think they're about a six and six team. I'm not going to give my official prediction yet, but you know, maybe some of your listeners are saying, "Well, that Illinois game was really close in Champaign last year." Yeah, but Nebraska played so sloppy. That's uh, true only thing that kept Illinois in the game Nebraska tried to lose and Illinois just wouldn't let them but I I felt watching the game myself that Nebraska was the better team Uh, that you know that turned out to be one of our maybe the best victory of the season and especially with how strong Illinois came on at the end of the season it I think there was kind of some collective understanding that Lovey was probably done and then he seemed to save his job. What do you think the long-term – you know, you, uh, let me put your Fitzy question back at you. Is the Lovey Magic – was there any Lovey Magic? And if so, is it gone? Is he still – Well, I mean, there was certainly a little magic last year. You look at the Wisconsin game. Yeah. Which was the biggest upset of the entire football season last year. Um, just an exhilarating feeling as an Illinois fan. And then you look at the 25-point miracle comeback – in East Lansing, which somehow seemed to to surpass the feeling I had against Wisconsin. Yeah. So, yeah, there was some magic for sure. Um, but I guess that's another thing that has me a little bit more negative about this season with Illinois is 
I don't see games like that happening again. You know, like how often does that happen? Two miracle games, two years in a row. So um, in terms of long-term for Lovey, I think the best thing for him to do is make it to a bowl game this year and retire. Oh, go out on top. Uh, kind of. Go out right, right in the smack dab middle of, of FBS, man. Get halfway up the mountain. The view is just good. Stop. Just like, stop. I, I don't need to get to the top. I, I, I can see it down into the city. Just a, fine. A, I'm good. A lot of people die going up to the top thing. <laughs> That's funny. Um, <laughs> so you don't see this uh, transfer thing he's got going with just, you know, bringing all the I mean, wire guys. You don't see that paying long. It's, it's a plan B thing because he, he can't get. Uh, you can't get high school recruits that compare to the other teams in, in the West. So, I mean, I don't blame them for doing it. It's kind of out of necessity, but no, I, it's not ideal. So Kurt, I mean, you're pretty knowledgeable. What, but what, is there a question you'd have for a beat reporter covering Illinois? Yeah, I, I guess you look at the recruiting right now and it's, it's literally unacceptable. I guess at what point do you, do you let this continue? When is the breaking point would be my question. I mean, they, they, they've been surpassed. I hate insulting you, but they've been surpassed by Rutgers in recruiting. Hmm. They're now the dead last 14th place recruiting program in the big time. How long do you let that go on? I mean, that's a perfect segue right here on the schedule. If you want to. Sure. So talk to me about Rutgers guys. What's uh, strengths, weaknesses. I, I, this is a, the team that I probably know the least about in the big Ten. All right, I'll start off here. Um, Thank you. The, the good news with Rutgers is everything is new. You got a new head coach, um, someone that, you know, the alumni love, someone that wants to be there. I really think they should be happy to have Greg Schiano. It, it, it's a great hire. Um, he's doing a fantastic job recruiting. You can, you can see a noticeable improvement in recruiting. So I do feel like things are going in the right direction. He brings in Sean Gleason as the offensive coordinator who had, had done good things at Oklahoma State. He, did, he was at Princeton as well and had an amazing offense there. Another guy, though, that comes in and talks about tempo, that's how he's going to change the game. I don't know that that's really going to happen. He says he wants to snap the ball every 15 seconds. Okay, um, I guess good luck getting an advantage doing that. Uh, the talent. My guess is about four games in the season are like, Maybe we could slow it down to like twenty seven. Yeah, maybe maybe twenty, twenty two. See how that works out. Um, talent obviously very, very low. They brought in a bunch of transfers. He's kind of in some ways he's taken the lovey route, but he, he's bringing in really high quality transfers. As far as I can tell, it's kind of hard to get this information, but the only one that's going to be immediately eligible is a defensive lineman named Michael Dewumfor from Michigan, but he brought in a couple Ohio State guys. And I think eight transfers total that um, I was getting kind of excited about their defensive line until Ilorm Lumore declared for the NFL draft. He was probably their best, at least defensive lineman last year. So, I mean, you're kind of just starting over on both sides of the ball without Big Ten talent. So it's, it's not going to be pretty this year. They're, they're probably the ugliest thing of this program in the last couple of years is just the passing game has been absolutely atrocious. Art Sikowski was disenchanted, entered the transfer portal. He decided to 
unportal and he's back in the scat away. So I guess that's he good. He can do that. He's got a talented arm. I will say that about Art. He just doesn't seem to make the greatest decisions. Um, but he gets rid of the ball quickly. He's got uh, a lot of velocity, throws a good tight spiral. Um, offensive line was atrocious, and they lost their best offensive lineman, so I don't see that getting a lot better. They do have some talent in the backfield. Isaiah Pacheco comes back. He was one that also wanted to transfer. And then Aaron Young is their other good running back. So they're going to have to lean on the run. If Art's not the guy, they've got another Tim tebow light type of guy. His name is Johnny Langan. So they can kind of mix it up maybe if they want to. But it's, you know, they're just getting started. I think Shiano's going to do a get good job, as good as you can do. There's obviously a low ceiling at Rutgers. But to me, this is just an easy road win for Nebraska. Hey, Husker. Hey, Husker football fan podcast listeners. Who is going to bring knowledge of the Rutgers Scarlet Knights? The Eyes on Big podcast is going to bring knowledge like that. To be specific, Big Kurt's going to bring knowledge of Rutgers. I, I quit listening like two minutes ago. I, I, I passed out. <laughs> How dare you? I, would, I don't even know what was being said. <laughs> and, and also, uh, Nebraska fans should be thankful of the Rutgers program for gifting them Travis Vokalek, the, the tight end. So I'm very excited to see him perform this fall. So he, he was excellent years ago for the, the Scarlet Knights. I mean, I'm the kind of guy who just likes to see someone stick it out at their program. He was already doing well. I didn't understand why he had to transfer, although I think he's from Iowa, so he wanted to be closer to home, I guess. Okay. Um, but that gives the Huskers two really good options at tight end. Yeah. No, I'm very excited. We're really excited about him. Um, so not much I can add there. Um, but, yeah, overall, Shiano – best hire that they could have possibly done in 100 years of coaching searches. So good job by Rutgers. I am, I am shocked at the level of energy that Shiano has brought to the program. Hmm. I mean, it is, it's incredible what he's done. Like there are honestly people thinking that they'll be pretty good next year. That in and of itself, I, I don't, I don't mean to sound, you know, but like but that, a, but it's a good thing. Right. Right. And yeah, and um, I think in the end, they will just, quote, unquote, look better. I don't know how many mo- more wins that will equate to, which is a perfect segue into their schedule. They start out with a Patsy, so you would really hope that Shiano could get to 1-0 and to start out with. But, I mean, then it's, it's Syracuse at Temple at Ohio State. <gasps> Yikes. And then – Illinois, they get Illinois at home. Illinois was definitely better than Rutgers last year. Then they go to Purdue, come back to Jersey. Then Indiana comes to them with a Hoosier team that we think is going to be a pretty good team. And then they get Nebraska. Nebraska, on the other hand, gets a bye the week before this game. Rutgers goes straight in to that game. So... I know Rutgers is at home in Northwest, and Nebraska's got to travel to Piscataway. I, I I don't know what the points are. I'm gonna probably take. I would probably take the over, and I'm gonna probably take Nebraska to cover. Right from what I'm seeing, right. Like the point I'm trying to get at is Rutgers could be extremely beat down by the time Nebraska plays them. Cool. It's also an opportunity for all of our East Coast Husker fans to get to a game. Sure. So that's nice. So what kind of question? Well, you're, you're guaranteed to have a see a red there. 
That's that's right. Thank you. <laughs> that's that's true. What uh, what would you ask a, a Rutgers beat reporter? I guess I would ask. You know, let's assume that Chiano keeps recruiting well and keeps improving his recruiting. Uh, let's assume he's. I mean, I think we all know he he is a good head coach. How many years away are you from really, you know, thinking that you can, you know, not win the East, of course, but but compete, maybe beat a Michigan State, something like that. How how long is this rebuild? That would be my question. And then, and then, just what is the ceiling along with that? Yeah, that's a good one too. But I am happy overall for Rutgers that they they made a great hire and just eager to see what they can do. Awesome. Wow. Moving right along. That brings, that brings us to the end of the third portion of the Nebraska schedule. Now things get real. bit of a juxtaposition now. Just yeah. Yeah. on to the next game. To literally go from the bottom, the, the absolute seller of the Big Ten, to the so high up in the penthouse that, like, sometimes you wonder if they're in the same building with you, Ohio State. So what's your thoughts on Ohio State, guys? So, obviously last year was, I mean, it was the greatest Big Ten team I've ever seen not win a national championship. I mean, that's I think that's pretty much easy to, to figure out. Um, and of course you look at what they lost. I mean, by God, they had the second and third pick in the NFL draft. Um, and then another first round defensive back and just a ton of, of talent gone, but it's Ohio state. Right. And I mean, the, the talent that they have in their front seven, definitely on their D line, like. I'm not going to say they're they're not going to take a step back on the D-line. I mean, they just lost a, a generational talent, but that just means they're going to go from like somewhere around an A or A-plus defensive line to an A or A-minus. Like hmm. it's, it's still going to be incredible. They've got talent in the secondary and in, in the linebackers that needs to gel. They basically lost one offensive lineman off of – what probably was the greatest offensive line in the Big Ten last year, definitely in top two or three. Um, I do think J.K. Dobbins is a big loss. Like, they lost a ton of wide receivers, not worried about the wide receivers of all at all. They got, they got wide receivers coming out of the woodwork uh, at Ohio State, and it, it's going to be that way for a while. The only thing, the only thing that concerns me if I was an Ohio State fan, which the overall arc of the season is just how big of a part of the offense J.K. Dobbins was last year. Mm. If you listen to Eyes on Big Podcast, I mean, I, I kind of man-crushed on J.K. quite a bit. I, I, I just thought he was incredible. Um, so it's going to be a running back by committee type of thing, but it all gels together when you got Justin Fields <laughs> – at quarterback, I mean, him and Trevor Lawrence are 1A and 1B, in my opinion, for the two best quarterbacks in the country. There is a chasm between the next quarterback, the third best quarterback in the country, in my opinion. Ryan Day calling the plays. 
I don't think Nebraska is going to win this football contest, I, I think would be my, my thought process. I think that's a fair statement. I just feel so kind of, yes, I, I get it. JK Dobbins was great. And, and I agree. It's going to be kind of running back by committee. They got a transfer coming in really highly, um, highly rated guy, but you look at Justin Fields, you look at that offensive line, which only lost Jonah Jackson, the, the Rutgers transfer from last year. And then you look at just the ridiculous wealth that they have at the wide receiver position, which I think is, has to be the most talented wide receiver room in the country. Um, and they are going to be electric on offense, even without a J.K. Dobbins. I, and, not- I, and I know Minnesota fans would probably scoff at that. Probably some Purdue fans would scoff at that. I'm sorry. Um, okay, Rondale Moore and Bateman by themselves – might be better than any single wide receiver on hey. the Ohio State roster, but their number two, three, four, five, and six receivers are filthy good. Like, and I, I'd even say seven and eight for <laughs> this is why you're not worried about the wide receivers. No, no, and, and yes, I do think they'll st- take a step back on defense. You can't replace a Chase Young, but I mean, they're plugging in five stars in everywhere, they'll be fine. It's a little bit disgusting. It is. It's, it's, they're absolutely on a tear. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's the current state of college football. I mean, yeah. Clemson, Alabama, I mean, the top teams are like hoarding up these recruits. And the only positive spin I can put on it is I'm glad at least one of those teams is in the Big Ten. If that may, I mean, that is, that's the best way I can, I can do it. I'm glad that, you know, not all of them are in the SEC and Clemson, you know, so. Yeah, I'm glad Ohio State. Yeah, I'm glad they're in the Big Ten too. Um, but I do see that as a kind of an emerging crisis in college football. This this concentration of talent that's happening at the very top. And another thing is just as far as the schedule is concerned, uh, just adding to the our already bad feelings I'm probably and vibes I'm putting out to you there, Justin. I apologize, but. Going to Rutgers, flying back to Nebraska, and then going back out to the Horseshoe. Yeah. Not, not beneficial for a young yeah, football. that's tough. Just one last thing. Boy, that hair on Ryan Day. <laughs> Great quaff. It's an amazing quaff. He's immaculate. <laughs> and it's reflected. I just want to steal 10% of his follicles. Even five. I'll take five. Um. So what would you guys what would you guys ask of uh, Ohio State beat reporter? I'd, I'd I'd ask them a little bit more about how they think the running back by committee thing is going to go because so so much of the passing game was also run through J.K. Dobbins, um, and then another thing would be like the only question mark, and this is a big question mark actually with Ohio State is. Yikes, if Justin Fields goes down, even just for a game or two, exactly how they feel about the backup quarterback position. But again, just how things are going to get run, both running game and passing game through their through their running backs. Sound good to you, Kurt? Um, I guess, let's see. I guess, though, maybe hmm. – and just ask him how's it how's it like being an Ohio State fan? What's it what's yeah, it that'd like? That'd be a good one. Uh, just you know, expecting eleven wins and being disappointed if it's 
anything other than basically 12 and 0. What's what's that like? I, mean, I guess we, we had a couple of the cornerbacks drafted here, and I know there's all five stars plugging in. Who who's the big playmaker that's going to step in and become the next Jeffrey Okuda? Who's who's the guy? That's that's what I'm curious about. They returned Sean Wade. Who that's all they got coming back in the secondary. So who's the next guy on on in the in the backside of the defense that's going to be making the plays? Great. All right. So yeah, man, from Ohio at Ohio State, and we host Penn State November seventh. That uh, this is. Yeah, it doesn't get any better here as we flip forward. What are you guys thinking about Penn State? Dustin Schutte was really high on him. Yeah, I'm, I was actually higher on Penn State last year. Maybe Kirk can back me up a little bit than almost anybody was. Um, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna take a step back. That's probably not the best uh, way to phrase it. But they got they got a pretty tough schedule. Like they've got a. Uh, um, a road game to Virginia Tech, second or third week of the season. Long story short, I can see this wind up being another 10-2 and two type of season from Penn State. Um, their defense is loaded with talent. Their defense was loaded with talent last year. Got a little, got a little tuckered out at the end of the year. That's the best way I can describe it. They just, they just didn't perform as good. I expect that defense to take a step up. Micah Parsons might be the first defender taken in the NFL draft next year. He's an absolute stud. Um, They've got a bevy of running backs, so much so that basically just jettisoned a four-star running back, didn't even blink an eye because they've got so much talent in the backfield. The questions come back to what have been the question marks for Penn State for at least the last – couple years is their offensive line and pass catchers um they've got talent on the offensive line and they've got talent with the pass catchers but for whatever reason they've been they've underperformed so uh, pat fryer is amazing at tight end he's definitely uh, been consistent not part of the problem but but outside they've got to replace kj hamler they've definitely got very good talented guys to step up to replace kj hamler they got to catch the ball. I know. I mean, it's the stupidest thing, but like they've, they need to get open and catch the ball. Like that is literally what their issues have been the last mm-hmm. couple of years. Um, a lot of changes on the offense. Uh, Kirk Shiroka comes over from Minnesota. That is an upgrade to me um, with their uh, uh, offense. I think maybe you could see that gelling more next year than this year. That's just kind of, you know, a thought process. Um, and then it comes down to their, to their trigger man. Um, I, 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 a lot, a lot of questions are going to come for me between the gelling of offensive coordinator philosophy, along with the talent around him, around Shiraka. The big question I have sticking on the offense there with Shiraka is what is the offensive scheme going to look like? Is he going to, is he going to be the one that, uh, you know, like Minnesota last year, they, they have a very small playbook and they just run the same plays over and over and over. Are we going to see a Minnesota East with a bunch of slants, a bunch of RPO slants all the time? It's a really good question. Really curious about that. So I guess I'm fast forwarding here a little bit to your 
that would be my question for your your beat guy. Um, I think this is a sneaky good offense. I agree that the offensive line has not played great. Really veteran, though, this year. They, they have no excuses anymore. They're, they're very talented. They've been playing together for a long time. They've got a veteran quarterback, great, you know, great running backs, as, as Greek said, the best tight end in the, in the conference for sure. And, yeah, they got all these talented wide receivers that need to finally put it together, kind of like the offensive line. Defensively, I'm still a little concerned about their defensive backfield. They, they were really vulnerable last year. I don't see that changing a heck of a lot unless they get, you know, even more pass rush than they got last year, which is pretty good. So that's my concern. And I also just – I'll throw in there, Micah Parsons is probably the best defensive player in the conference. So, And I, and I just want to say, Sean Clifford is a good quarterback. Um, he seems to get dogged on quite a bit. And I don't quite understand that. I mean, last year was his first year starting. I think he had like 23 touchdowns, seven picks with like five or six more touchdowns on the ground. Like he can run the ball. Like he's a better athlete than what he gets credit for. I don't know why he gets dogged on. If he takes a step up this year, watch out for Penn State. I mean, that that could be an extremely dangerous team. Hmm. Well, I think I know the answer, Greg. I think it's just you you look at his yardage totals and they're just it's just not there. He just doesn't generate a lot of production through the air. So and keeping in mind he's got a good backfield behind him, he's got good receivers. So I, I think that's the answer for you. Sure. Hmm. And then looking at their schedule, um kind of interesting, right? I mean, check out Penn State's schedule. This is leading up to Nebraska. At Michigan, Iowa, Ohio State, at Indiana, at Nebraska. So as poorly as it lines up on a couple spots, this is the best it lines up for an opponent coming in that's a big name, you know, opponent that you think has a lot of wins. Uh, that that's a that's a pretty tough stretch for for Penn State right there. So I wonder if that would play into you know, in, into Nebraska's advantage. And, and so, Kurt, your question was, are we going to see a simplified, a simple Minnesota East style offense with tons of RPO slants? That's kind of what you're getting at. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you, ever, if you watched a lot of Minnesota last year, it's like every other play was this inside zone RPO, and you, he's throwing a slant to Tyler Johnson. And they've, they've certainly got plenty of great receivers that could do that. So, yeah, I mean – what they do in Minnesota, what they've been doing under P.J. Fleck is extremely simple. They, they just have a handful of plays, and they run them to death until they can do them to perfection. Is that what he's going to be doing, or will he have the freedom to kind of run a more wide-open offense? And I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm just curious what's going to happen. Hmm. I wonder if Kirk Shiroka grew up on N- playing NCAA football and you know, on PlayStation or Xbox, and that's just, just what he runs. He's got, like, 14 plays that he really likes, and he's just like, dude, I'm going to make these work. There's right. there's not 15 plays in the world. There's only 14. <laughs> FYI, as you learn. So, uh, uncharacteristic of Nebraska's Big Ten schedule, we don't have Iowa at the end of the year. This year we go to Iowa on November 14th for the first of two games until it goes back to the end of the year, where I think it's probably going to stay. Um, Iowa has been on a tear on the recruiting trail lately. 
What uh, What are you guys thinking, Jeff? What are you thinking for? Well, can I start? Do you mind if I start here, uh, Justin? Uh, you You brought up last game of the year. How do you feel? Like you think it should be the last game of the year? Yeah, I think it's I think it's turned into something pretty good. Obviously, Nebraska hasn't won one for a while, which would make it a more interesting game. But I mean, just with the border rivalry, uh, or the well, the border that we share a border, I, I do think it's a nascent rivalry, and I think there's plenty of ill will. I mean, so many I so many Iowans work in Omaha, and so many uh, I uh, Nebraskans, Eastern Nebraskans, going to Iowa. Both my co-host and I, both of our moms are from West Southwestern Iowa. There's just so much overlap. It's just a really natural uh, end of the season thing. And we've just been used to having one team at the end. It was Oklahoma for so long, then it was Colorado, and now it was Iowa. And I think there's a, you know, a delightful disgust there. And, uh, delightful I've, disgust. I've talked if I can about, say, yeah. from, from and, and, and what, what I would say is, thanks, Sean Eichhorst, yet another yeah. – crap move that that dude did this is like this is like sean eichhorst hand reaching out from the grave to yeah. to just crap on nebraska one last time. i think he got fired not i don't think this got him fired but it just so happened that right after this came out was when when he got yep. fired Yep. but i could if i can say from an outsider's perspective yeah great as, as an iowa fan you're a nebraska fan for me it's a treat to watch this game on black friday i love it good okay cool so I think it's good for the Big Ten. Yeah, I, and uh, when I've talked to Mark Morehouse about it, he's like, "Just, just lock it in till the end of time. Like, just let's stop talking about it. Just lock it in. Let's do it." That's how rivalries come about. You just right. keep, the, you stay the course, and you stay the course, and then it just comes about naturally after that. And we'll we'll win one one of these days, and it'll be more interesting for both sides. And yeah, let's let's just do it. So, on to yep. the team. Yeah, so um, as a Iowa fan, uh, one of the things we get tired about is hearing, well, they lost this, so that's it. It was a good run for Iowa, but, you know, they can't replace that guy. I won't go through the list of guys that have been drafted in the first or second round over the last couple years, but I think we all know it's a lot, and I think they've proven over and over again that they must have a philosophy that works to continue winning games after they lose top talent, you know? So that's one thing I would add with that being said, uh, losing AJ Epinesa is a gigantic loss. Um, he was a, a basically a, uh, offensive wrecking machine by himself. Uh, I mean, he, he basically won three or four games, Last so year. glad to see him gone. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think any Big West fan would be, you know, uh, happy to see him go. So, I mean, to me, that is the biggest concern. Um, could we see a, a bizarro world Iowa team where the defense is, is just pretty good? Uh, the defense has been really, really good the last three or four years. So maybe they take a dip out of the top 15 and they're like a top 30 35 defense this year maybe don't get in the backfield as much or force quite as many turnovers as they have been uh so if that's the case then you flip it back to the other side you know can the offense put up points and uh you typically look squarely at the quarterback when that happens and what did we lose on offense a three-year starter 
at quarterback. So I love me some Nate Stanley, great Hawkeye. Um, I don't think I'm too blasphemous as, as far as my Hawkeye roots to say I'm ready to see Spencer Petras and I'm excited to see what he brings to the table. Um, from what I've heard behind the scenes, um, he's good. Uh, I, I swear I'm not typically the over excited for a player I've never seen play before. I'm usually a, I want to wait and see it, but at first, for whatever reason, from the things I'm reading through the tea leaves, Petrus, Petrus, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not exactly sure how it's said. It seems like he's pretty talented. Um, he was a big get for a recruit, and then you look at what's around him, there's a lot of talent. I mean, there's a lot of running back, wide receivers, pass catchers coming back. They basically lose, you know, one starter off the offensive line. Obviously, Worfs is a huge loss, but – I think they'll be fine on the offensive line. It's just going to be interesting to see. It it might be a different-looking Iowa team this year. So um, to to add to that a little bit, I was going through looking at the Iowa roster and, you know, thinking, well, they lost a bunch of guys, a bunch of great producers off the last season. I was basically, you know, kind of going down the same thought process, the Greek uh, was saying, and then kind of hit me. I was scrolling through Twitter and saw pick six previews, and he has now bumped Iowa up to the second best developmental program in the country over, I can't remember how many, last X number of years. Really? I, I think they're going to be just fine. I, I don't see a big step back. I'm not sure I see another 10-win team. That's never easy to do in the Big Ten. But yeah, I'm I'm certainly not low on on the Hawkeyes this year, and and I think Spencer, the quarterback, I think it's, it's pronounced Petrol, isn't it? Petrol. <laughs> I like that. Surely. Well, uh, so yeah. what what would you guys ask uh, Mark? When is um, it- I I would say just what he's heard about Spencer Petras and and just the general thought and feelings that he's got from the from the coaching staff and then, you know, um, sacks by committee. I mean, which is typically is how it should be from your front seven, but you know, exactly how big of a crater AJ Epinesa leaves and how he thinks they're going to go about, about addressing that. Kurt, did you say something to audio? I didn't hear your audio. Oh, I was going to say, make the bad man stop. Okay. Um, so I would say, to me, Iowa might be a a ten win team in quality that does not get to ten wins yeah. <laughs> next year. Because um, you turn it to the schedule, Iowa's schedule is broken up into a lot of weird spots. Um, absolutely hate that they play Iowa State at home and then turn around on a short week and come up to Minneapolis to play Minnesota on a Friday. That's just That's stupid. Tough. That's just dumb. And then, hey, how about this? How about taking back-to-back trips to the Horseshoe and Happy Valley two weeks Oof. in a row, <laughs> right in the middle of the fall? Like, that's that's ridiculous. Now, from a uh, uh, point of view, after that, though, they get Northwestern at home, a bye week, and then at Illinois, and then Nebraska 
at home, it is plausible if I, I don't mean to step on Kurt's toes, but it's plausible to think that they would be catching fire again at that point. If there is a perceived dip in, in the wind total in the middle of the year like that. So maybe this isn't quite as good of a time to catch Iowa from a Nebraska point of view, you know, playing the schedule game. Hmm. I'm not going to say that they're going to, against Illinois, I'm just going to throw a random number out there, win 63 to nothing, but they'll probably be Illinois. That that was an anomaly. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But, um, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see what the overall feel and psyche will be for Iowa by that time in the year. And then, yeah, it's just going to be odd. It's going to be odd playing Nebraska in the middle of the year like that. Yeah, yeah. It'll be like, I, like I'm just wondering how that's gonna do, like how like how the feel is gonna be for that for that game. I mean, obviously we don't know, you know, what time of the day that game will be. That'll be interesting, you know, being in Kinnick Stadium. Will it be a night game? Will Nebraska and Iowa's schedule and win totals warrant it being a big enough game for a night game at Kinnick? I think that plays into it too. It'll be interesting. I uh, I suspect that you'll you have a lot of Nebraskans that have the same thought process as me, which is Thanksgiving. My Thanksgiving travel schedule is dictated by Nebraska, right. so when when we play at home, we we stay with my family, and when we are away, we go to my wife's family, who she, she's of Illinois. So I think there's going to be a lot of Nebraskans like me who are saying, "I'm going to go. This is my chance to go." So. Um, one, there could be a lot of Nebraskans trying to get in. I don't know if they'll get in. Another thing I'm curious to see is a lot of Nebraskans have been cynical about Iowa's ability to show up. And I think a lot of that is based on the day after Thanksgiving scenario where, you know, it's just not been a time when people, it's not a time when a lot of people go to the, to the game. I mean, Nebraska's attendance this last year was pretty low. It was was freezing as I recall. Um, But uh, so anyway, it could be a really packed stadium and there could be a lot of Nebraskans trying to get in. I don't know if they will or not, but it'll be a really interesting thing to see. I mean, I guess I just put perspective on this. It's not going to look like a Nebraska at Colorado or Nebraska right. Northwestern. Right. Um, if, if I, I don't know. expect it to, I, I, that's why I say, I think a lot of Nebraskans, it will not, I think it'll be a lot of Nebraskans outside saying like, well, crap. How do I get in? <laughs> get a ticket, yeah. I mean, I if like the way I'd put it, if maybe eight percent of a typical road team is you know at, at Kinnick in a typical game, I would see Nebraska being like fourteen or fifteen percent. You know, like a a much higher percentage. But again, I don't think this is going to look like a a sea of red takeover yeah, yeah. like in Colorado. No, we're not. No, I mean Iowa fans actually care about their team. Colorado fans don't. They're just trash. <clears throat> what? Uh, how long? That's, been, that, that's another conversation some other time. But uh, sure. I, I knew there was hatred between Nebraska and Colorado. I had no idea it was at the level. You know, the thing the, the thing that surprised me was about this last season was how like I mean I just like made a dig at a fan base, which is uncharacteristic. I try not to do that. And there's something about Colorado that just makes Nebraskans not behave well. <laughs> uh, it just brings out the worst in us. Um, which I came at, after that game, I was like, you know what? I don't like Iowa fans, but I like them a lot more than Colorado fans. Yeah, I heard, I've been hearing that a lot on Twitter lately. It's been, yeah. It's been yeah. Um, how long is Kirk Ferentz going to coach? Forever? I've been getting that question a lot. It's, it's funny. I get more DMs 
from Nebraska fans asking me that question than from Iowa fans. Um, I mean, I don't know. I The dude's yoked. He looks amazing for 63, 64 years mm. old. Um, I, I, I could honestly see him coaching for three or four more years. Like, I, I don't think it's, it's crazy. Like, he keeps getting asked the question. Um, they're obviously addressing it well with recruits because their recruiting has been on a five-year uptick. Right. He's not gotten younger in the last five years. So I don't have an answer. I don't know if anybody does, but I don't see it happening in the next year or two. Does Is there an expectation? I'm totally ignorant on this. There's an expectation that his son takes over, or is that just – I swear that expectation is – more from outside okay. the fan base than in the fan base. Yeah, I, I just I just don't know. Do I think it could happen like that? Absolutely. It's just I, I've gotten to the point where I feel like more and more people talking like it's already a foregone conclusion brings me back to think that it might not happen. I personally would like to see him get head coaching experience somewhere else first. I don't think it'll happen like that, but we'll see. Hmm. Interesting. I'm glad Scott had Frost had experience elsewhere before he came here, although the first two seasons would maybe not indicate he'd learned enough. But um, let's turn the page here to Wisconsin, another team Nebraska hasn't beat for five years. Plus, what uh, what are you guys thinking about Wisconsin this year? Well, I think the entire Big Ten is happy that the Iron Man, Jonathan Taylor, is no longer in the backfield. Absolutely. So I think it's going to be – I mean, the guy never got hurt. It's, it was incredible. Once. It was Not like once. somebody turned the the injury portion off the video game. Like, yeah, he just – I mean, fine. so did anybody carry the ball in the last three years more than Jonathan Taylor? No. And the guy – I don't remember him sitting out a single game, even his freshman year. Do you? No, I don't. He played all the time. I mean, they have to take a step back. I know they've got a handful of decent running backs – and then, you know, it looked like, well, okay, there's no, like, true heir apparent. Um, right. Brett Shaw left the, the, the program, although I never was too high on him anyway. And then they land this super recruit from where? At New Jersey. Same place as, as uh, Jonathan Taylor, same place as Ron Dane. Jalen Berger's his name. I'm curious how much he's going to contribute. I mean, he looks, like, he looks like Jonathan Taylor looked when he showed up. Hmm. Um, offensive line. A few new faces, but I mean, it's it's Wisconsin. They're going to plug and play just like they always do. Um, although, you know, not a great quarterback in Jack Cohn, and I, they are going to take a step back in the wide receiver room. So I think offensively, it's not going to quite look like it did last year. Switching the defensive side, lose a couple guys in Zach Bond and Chris Orr, but they bring a lot back, and this is a Jimmy Leonard defense and I think it's going to look they don't they don't just bring a lot back they bring everybody back except for those two (laughs) all right this defense is going to be insanely good yes it is like I I just it's like I've got a war in my head with Wisconsin for 2020 and it's going to take a deep dive you know into the magazines and internet searches this summer like we typically do but of course, on the one side, everything that Kurt just said, of course the offensive line is going to be good. Of course the defense is going to be good. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play action off run the ball. They're going to suck people up into the box and throw it over. They're going to do everything Wisconsin says. So I'm not, I'm not questioning that. Okay, football gods, did you hear me? I'm not, <laughs> not questioning that. 
But with that said, it's just kind of crazy how much people are just eschewing Jonathan Taylor being gone. Like they, they, there's nothing. Like, I mean, that guy was a generational running back. And then maybe, maybe just as big of a loss is Quintez Cephas. And, and Danny D- Davis, I'm, I might be – they lost – No, Davis is back, I believe. Back. I think but they, they lost their top – they lost their top two receivers. Um, so, it, it is – it is going to be interesting to see exactly what they look like not so much in the beginning of the year because they'll they'll just plow over the uh, uh, weaker opponents with their offensive line. They'll cave them in. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see when they get into the meteor part of their schedule exactly how many points the offense will put on the board if their running game is slowed down and and they have issues, you know, stretching it out over top. Um, and where you would see that, I mean, they start out they, – they're one of the weird uh, – Big Ten games week one. Um, I don't know which game I'm more excited for, Nebraska-Purdue or Wisconsin-Indiana. I mean, those games are are crazy. I'd probably say Nebraska-Purdue because it's a it's a divisional game. And then they played uh, a Patsy team. But then, I mean, App State, that's, that's – Yeah. I'd, I wouldn't like that game if I'm a Badger fan. Then they go to Michigan and then Notre Dame. And then they follow oh. up with playing – Minnesota. That is an incredible stretch of games for uh, Wisconsin. So we'll see exactly what they look like when they come out on the other side of that. But once they come out on the other side of that, this probably doesn't bode real well from a Nebraska point of view. At Maryland, Illinois at home, Northwestern at home, at Purdue, and then they come back home to play Nebraska. That's not. I could see a lot of steam rolling at that point for Nebraska with their or with uh, Wisconsin, excuse me, with their schedule. So, and then on the flip side of it, that's the second road game in a row for Nebraska going into Camp Randall. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough spot right there. I mean, th- this is this is an insane. <laughs> a, a lot stretch. of people are making out how tough these five games are for Nebraska. These are, in, these are insanely tough games for Nebraska. Like I, I, I don't, I know, I know I'm not a Nebraska fan and I know you look at each individual game, but a, it might not be crazy to think a taking a one and four record versus these five teams would be a, a success. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. Kurt, you can jump in. Do you think I'm being too harsh here? No, I don't think you're being too harsh. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, Justin, at Iowa, at Wisconsin, back-to-back. That's it's a, that's it's kind a, of ridiculous, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, following Ohio State and uh, Penn State. Correct. What I said, first off, is the, the back end of this thing is just absolutely brutal for, for the Huskers. <laughs> we're at, we, we still got one more game to go. I guess. Yeah, we I know we're not even done yet. What, there, like, r- r- but, before we move on, what would you ask? Uh, we'll probably talk to our our buddy uh, uh, Richard Branch from the former Buck Around podcast. Uh, what would you ask Richard? You know, probably ask him about the Packers. We <laughs> probably want to talk about the Packers more. Yeah. Than anything. And if the Packers lost, yeah, okay. Well, how was the Badgers game? You know what? You know, you should ask him. 
Who's got the crappier receivers going into the football season, Wisconsin or Green Bay? That's a great question. Hey, by the <laughs> way, look at the shirt I'm wearing. Yeah. Nice. Packers. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I would just ask them probably about the receivers mm-hmm. and uh, um, maybe a little bit with the running backs. Like, do they think Nakia Watson is going to be the – the definite bell cow, or is it going to be kind of a committee thing as well? Well, it's too bad we didn't have a spring because I would love to know yeah. what thought of Jalen Berger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. yep. And that could hurt Wisconsin, you know? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right. All right. Final, final game here, guys. We've, uh, we've gone through the whole schedule, which I did not expect. Uh, here we finished it. It will be on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, Minnesota here, here in Lincoln. Mm. Minnesota had an incredible season. Does it continue? I mean, I think I think BJ's got it up and rolling. Um, they definitely are a bunch that is confident. Um, I mean, you look at how they finished last year, um, two really tough losses, you know, like losing to Iowa. And, I mean, they pretty much got blitzed by Wisconsin. A lot of teams with less culture in place would have turned around and got beat in the bowl game by Auburn. They came right out and took the fight to Auburn, you know, so they got blessed with a good schedule last year, but they took advantage of it, right? Like you can't, it's not their fault. They didn't make the schedule. It would have been their fault if they didn't take advantage of it. They took advantage of that schedule. Um, uh, Losing their heart and soul on offense, wide receiver, um, Tyler Johnson, might be a little bit bigger deal than people are willing to make out to it. More, more for me because of just the leadership portion of what he brought to the table. They they certainly have a ton of talent at wide receiver. Um, what I one of the things that there's two things that would scare me about Minnesota if I'm a Minnesota fan. One's their defense. We'll get into that. You know I know that they have a returning starter at quarterback, but coming back from injury is who the perceived quarterback uh, was going to be going into last year. I am a person that absolutely hates quarterback controversies. Could there be one between Tanner Morgan and Zach Anikstead? Maybe I'm just trying to be a little bit of a conspiracy theorist here. I can see Kurt shaking his head at me, but I don't know. To me, that's something to, to look for, to look at. I love Anikstead's arm, but there's no way that he would have played better than Tanner Morgan did last year. I mean, it's probably the best passing season in Gophers history. I, I just don't <laughs> see Anikstead doing that. I don't see a controversy, controversy at quarterback at all, but yes, losing Tyler Johnson's a big deal. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not quite as high on the wide receiver position at Minnesota. Obviously, Bateman is fantastic, one of the best in the league. Ottman Bell's good. But then I think it's a little bit drop-off to Demetrius Douglas there. And, I mean, you're, yeah, you got two really good receivers, but then you don't have, you know, eight like Ohio State. You don't have four like, like uh, Purdue does. So I'm just curious how, it, how things keep humming. But it – but in their offense, if if they keep running the same type of offense, they, they don't need wide receivers running all over the field. I mean, they basically need two. Fair. 
So that is one thing I would add. Um, one of the more depressing things <laughs> developments last year was just how good the Gopher offensive line looked by the end of the year. I can say depressing yeah. because it's a Nebraska, Illinois, and Iowa fan <laughs> talking on the podcast here. I mean, they, 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 that was a porous offensive line in September. It was yeah. a formidable offensive line in November and in the bowl game. So they get a lot of those guys back. I love Mo Ibrahim, probably one of my more favorite, you know, non uh, uh, player that plays for a rival team. I mean, they they got a lot of stuff back on offense, and and it would be shocking if there was a big slip up on offense. And if there is, it it has to be because of either injury or was Kirk Shiroka that much of a wizard did you know did he have that much of a game day feel calling plays it's it's just one of the question marks we have but typically typically play callers look pretty good when they have good talent to call the plays too so I'm curious about that too Schrock is not there anymore how different is the offensive play calling gonna look very intriguing you know running back I'm not concerned at all I think I've always thought Mo Ibrahim was their best running back so he's still there uh, Cam Wiley, I saw that guy in, in spring, and my God, that guy is a physical specimen. Um, but they do have a new offensive coordinator here, so that I'm just I'm really curious to see what does the offense look like. Mike Sanford comes in. Um, another thing, defensively, you lose an Antoine Winfield Jr. Huge. All Huge. all last year, I was saying. This is the best player that nobody gives credit to nationally. Hmm. Like he had, and I, I was proud of the Big Ten Conference to name him defensive back of the year. Like that was crazy. Like he, he, deserved, he deserved it. it. He deserved Absolutely. it. But then they also lose Carter Coughlin. They lose Sam Renner, who was the most underrated player on their defense last year. Uh, they lose two Dude, they lose every, they lose they they've lost everybody on their they team. Lost they, hmm. they still got I will say they still got it kind of reminds me of Nebraska in that they're I still think their um uh best players are on the back end. Like they have good defensive backs. They still have good defensive backs coming back. Their corners are really good, but you know, it gets tougher and tougher to come up and tackle. <laughs> if your front seven is struggling and that is what I'm going to be curious with, with Minnesota is you, you can only win so many games by outscoring teams, especially in this conference, especially with the weather you got to put up with. I'm not saying Minnesota is going to have the 108th ranked defense in the country. I'm not, I'm not going that far, but I expect a big drop. Well, I, I do expect a drop, but I think there's enough there for Rossi to work with. Um, the defensive ends, Mafe, and I can never pronounce the guy's name right, Adamewo, they're absolute physical specimens. I watched them in spring practice this year. The defensive tackles, they're really deep at nose tackles. So I think their defensive line is going to be okay, maybe not great with depth, the defensive end, and their linebackers – are, are serviceable and they have excellent defensive backs. So I, Rossi has, has done well enough coaching. He's proven to me enough that I think he's going to be okay there on this, on, on the defensive side of the ball this year. It's, uh, no, it's, oh, go ahead. Um, 
Another thing too, uh, looking at the, if we put four teams together here, okay? The perceived top three teams in the conference, if, if I can be so bold, are Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa right now. And this is a Nebraska podcast. Out of those four teams, anybody want to take a guess who has the most favorable schedule out of those four? It's Minnesota. It's it's Minnesota. Um, tough in the middle of the year. It's weird. Okay, again, a weird game. They're playing Wisconsin the second weekend in October. That's just going to feel icky to me. Yeah. Um, so, the, but they have to go to Camp Randall and then turn around and play Michigan the next week. So that is a that's a tough stretch for Minnesota. But then. At Illinois, at Michigan State, which we think is going to be, you know, a struggling Michigan State team, Purdue, Northwestern, and then at Nebraska. So kind of like breaking down Wisconsin's schedule just a minute ago, could Minnesota have a hiccup in the middle of the schedule but be catching steam by the time they play Nebraska? And Nebraska is obviously this is at the tail end. Limping to the end. Yeah, just uh, just the just going to the meat market for Nebraska at that point. So um, it'll be interesting. But you know, g- going on the road, obviously for for Minnesota into a huge environment with Nebraska. Um, but what do you typically like to have on your side when you go on the road? An experienced quarterback with Moxie, and they got that in Spades with Tanner Morgan. And another thing I'd like to point out. Kurt, you do have Tanner Morgan follically dominated. So maybe not to the level of Ryan Day. Way, way above Tanner Morgan. So you're coming out. I think you're, you know, you're coming out in the middle there, buddy. Well, I do, I do feel like Tanner Morgan looks at me the way that I look at Ryan Day. <laughs> Tanner, Morgan, Tanner Morgan's never looked at you before. That would be, <laughs> that would be the only difference. But maybe we could, maybe we could fix that someday. Well, I, I got some, is he would like got, to borrow some follicles. <laughs> Very follically focused tonight. I've got some great questions from, from just what you're saying there for, uh, for Ryan Burns, who we usually talk to. Um, so that, that brings us through the schedule. Um, if I can keep you for a couple more minutes, I'd just be curious to hear your thoughts on Nebraska, since it is a Nebraska podcast. I mean, you've kind of sprinkled them here and there. But, but I believe um, – they bring every offensive lineman back, right? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a good thing and a bad thing. And we got a guy who had a medical, got a medical uh, six-year of eligibility too. So, I mean, I think that's huge. But then, when I look at Nebraska defensively, um, you got JoJo Doman back there. I, I I feel pretty good about the starting three on the defensive line, but I still see a ton of playmakers on defense yet. I'm I'm waiting for that to happen. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you feel about that? Me or Jeff? Well, I I, I mean for me, um, I, you know I don't, I always when I talk with a Nebraska person or podcast, like I know I'm an Iowa fan, so I always feel like my words get you know and statements get this is a safe place analyzed to a certain. <laughs> um, here's here's what I would say is uh, I have been. Uh, I'm just curious to see how this uh, um, works out with the philosophy that Chins has for playing defense in in the Big Ten. Like, certainly the jury is still out. When it looks good, 
I get it. It's disruptive. It's hard to figure out because that's how a three, four is supposed to look. You're supposed to have, you know, linebackers and, and, you know, safeties every now and then and D linemen coming at you from every angle. It's supposed to be a confusing defense forces turnovers. If you present an explosive offense like Nebraska with the ball on a short side of the field, I, you know, I get it. But what on the other side of that is what you don't want to play are teams that run the ball and don't turn the ball over, which is exactly what Wisconsin, Iowa, and now Minnesota are doing. So it's like, it's like the, I mean, again, like Oregon struggled the most in the Pac-12 to, you know, go back to the Scott Frost calling plays at Oregon days with the Stanfords of the Pac-12. So there's three Stanfords in the Big Ten West. So I'm just very curious how that plays out. And I just, I saw a lot of linebackers out of position to make plays last yeah. year. The most, the worst one to me was the Minnesota game. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and that has got. To, I mean, I know I'm not saying anything like huge here. I don't think, but with the graduations from the defensive line, that's a concern. There seems to be talent there, but I feel like right now there could be talent all over the board at linebacker and I'd still be curious to see the linebackers actually in position to make plays. And I don't think they have talent at linebacker. I, I think there are, there is a lot of development and question marks that have to happen in the, in the front seven. Yeah. Love the second to try to end on a positive. The secondary is excellent. It's probably in the top three or four in the conference. I'm curious to see what Ty Robinson looks like. Is it, is everyone pretty high on him this year? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. and younger Daniel's brother, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching him. But yeah, I'm looking forward to only being one of the brothers on the front. It, it seemed like so the entire, don't have to know their names. I, I could I could never figure that. I couldn't no, either. Davis, Davis, Daniels, Daniels. You're good. Yeah. Um, to switch over to offense. Um, Probably one of the more understated things on the Nebraska offense last year was how much better their offensive line did look by the end of the year. Um, it looked a lot, a lot better. Uh, Cam Jurgens, right? He's the center. Um, he got thrust into a tough, tough spot. He's a battler. He's obviously because by the end of the year, he looked a lot better. Um, but still need to see more improvement out of the offensive line. Um, and then it's, you know, it's kind of crazy, but like, I, I, I like the, the thing I, I guess I would ask is, is like with the, the Bill Connolly, you know, S and C and, or whatever it is, uh, S and B, excuse me. And the returning production, obviously I get that it's heavily weighted towards the quarterback and, you know, Adrian Martinez is coming back for his, his third year, but around him, um, I mean, a lot of question marks. I mean, you've got you've got Wandell that needs to stay healthy, a banger at running back, but you need another running back, and then you need another running back, and then the wide receivers are. I mean, I just, I just, I, I don't think Spielman's coming back. You know, I, I, I would be shocked if well, he did. So That'd be a couple questions. Does Spielman come back? But then at running back, Ramir Johnson, I'm wondering I, – I, I'm expecting big things out of him this year. So, I don't yeah. know. I think Mills, yeah. as long as Johnson steps up, I think they'll be fine at running back. But, yeah, if, they, if Spielman doesn't come back, I think that's 
I mean, he was one of the best take the top off of the defense yep. wide receivers there was. So I think that it does change the outlook quite a bit if he's not there. Really hurts not having spring football because uh, yeah. we had a lot of questions that need to get worked out. The the concerns on the front seven, I mean, it's just – I don't think people realize – I don't think people realize how good we had it because we were losing um, and struggling so much. But, you know, we had a pretty decent front front three there, uh, those three guys that are gone. Um, I mean, they lot- showed out at the combine. Holy buckets. Right, yeah. So there, there's – and there's a lot of young talent that redshirted last year that, you know, Frost and company made the decision to redshirt um, that we probably could have used. But, yeah, linebacker just we haven't – we've never really gotten that outside linebacker guy yet, um, and that's a big concern. And then, you know, I, I love the guys that we had last year. Mo Berry was a, a, a great leader, but um, – He know. was bad. I'm I mean, sorry, but he, he was well, not – I'm not going to say – he was not top flight. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, I know Nebraska fans liked him because of his fieriness and everything like that, but it could be I, – I, I would expect an improvement out of that position next year. Um, to, to keep it back on the offense, you know, with with us not having live sports to watch, um, my DVR still records a ton of Big Ten football games because I have, a, I have record, you know, recording set up to – to, to record uh, all Big Ten games because I watch them during the season, you know. And uh, I watched uh, Nebraska versus Colorado 2018. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was Adrian Martinez. Frost's actual first game. Yep, because of the after the rain delay. I mean, that Adrian Martinez that played in that game was electric. Hmm. And, and I know and he was electric most of 2018, I mean, I, there are, there's a plethora of of um, theories out there on what happened last year with Adrian Martinez. We probably don't need to go down that, but I'm just curious to see. Is, is it going to be 2018 AM, 2019 AM, somewhere in between? I don't think McCaffrey is ready to step up into that role right now. I mean, I think it's Martinez. I mean, if if you're talking – if you're talking – Big Ten West Championship, which, I mean, I think we've kind of already said we, we believe that'll be tough this year. But if you're talking a Big Ten West Championship, Martinez is going to have to go nuclear for that to happen. He is the whole key mm. to, the, to the whole season. It, it, not only what he looks like, but him staying healthy. His health, yeah. However that, however that looks. Well, and, and I'm the guy preseason last year, if you remember Greek, um, I, I was telling everybody – Adrian Martinez, he's going to be the best quarterback in the Big Ten this year, and it, 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 he just didn't look like the same player. Yeah. Well, guys, you have been super generous with your time and expertise. Really appreciate it. Uh, how can our listeners connect with uh, you guys and your podcast? Wait, aren't we going to talk Maryland? Not on the schedule. <laughs> I'm joking. Don't have to. <laughs> Maryland's going to be bad. I love talking Maryland football. <laughs> How, how can yeah, um, I am? I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek, and I'm Big Kurt at B1GKURT. Um, we we aren't crazy active on the uh, Eyes on Big Twitter account. Um, we interact mostly with our listeners and followers via Twitter, so we love that. Um, I'm okay with DMs, you know, like we, we get good info from people like that that are like quote unquote insiders. So 
Follow us on Twitter. Obviously, we would love if you gave the podcast a listen. I think you probably got a pretty good taste of what we sound like on the podcast on tonight's, um, on, you know, having us on yours. So we would very much love you guys listen to us, you know, maybe pick two or three of the Nebraska podcasts you listen to, and then just, you know, mix in one that encompasses all 14 big 10 teams. And we hope, we hope you're the podcast to do that with. I think that's a great, a great way to handle it. I think that's wise. And you should be the one that they choose. I like that. Thanks buddy. Yeah. Well, thank you. This has been fun. And, uh, I'm going to go to sleep. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's late. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, guys. Be well. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Jeffrey the Greek and Big Kurt for joining us on the podcast. So I'm going to be honest, Justin, uh, because we're recording this before I've edited anything. My question is, did you guys have any inkling about Vedral transferring to Rutgers? Did that come up in the conversation? It did not. Okay. I know that there was some speculation on Twitter about it. It didn't. It didn't come up. Okay. At all. So yeah, we finished that conversation. I went to bed. I putzed around on my computer for a while, actually. Then I went to bed, and then <laughs> when I woke up in the morning, Big Kurt had actually tagged me in a tweet or us saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, look, Vedral's going to Rutgers." Yeah. Should be uh, interesting come October when and if that game gets played. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to feel about that. Um, good for him, I guess. You wonder how much intel someone like that brings. Someone who knows Frost and Frost system as intimately as anyone, but also I would say it seems like he loves. You know, they really like father son relationship type thing. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know what kind of position Vedro gets put in, um, but. He'll have uh, a good idea of what kind of defense is coming at him because he was practiced against it for, you know, with Shenander for three, four years now. Um, Man, I guess we now have a game on the schedule before the season even begins that we can kind of put a check mark in the must-win box. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Can you imagine the fan base? I'm I'm not even going to say it, but can you imagine – I don't want to think about it because it's not going to happen. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah. But okay. do you realize how many times we said it's not going to happen over the last five years? Ah! Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Stop it. Oh boy. I I will. I'll just leave it at this. I will be very happy if the game gets played at this point sure. because it seems like who knows what the future holds. So, sure. um, I'd be more than happy to see. The showdown, Martinez versus Vedral. Yeah, and you know, I don't... He's transferring because he's not... Doesn't feel like he can see the fields, and he wants to play. So, it's not... You know, we're we're keeping the better guy. Certainly the more athletic guy, Vedral may have known the system more intimately uh, and been more comfortable in it from his many years running it. But at the end of the day, he didn't get the start, and we're keeping the guy that we want, that Frost wants, so... It's when you're recruiting at such a high level as Frost is, it's just to be expected. It's, I think we talked about this last when, when he had first announced he was going to transfer. Like, this is just what happens. So, you, you kind of hate to see him go to a conference opponent, but whatever. But hey, good on him. Let's, let's hope he actually does uh, get the job as the starter, you know? Sure. And you know, this is another, another interesting thing about Vedral. I feel like so many 
so many guys when they announce something like this, they like copy and paste what every other football player has tweeted out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then they put in like GBR instead of whatever the other hashtag was. I thought his tweet was just really thoughtful, and he obviously wrote it from scratch, and it was uh, it was emotional and. You know, he, he's clearly got a lot, of, a lot of love for Nebraska and his teammates and his coaches, but he wants to play. So, You know who else has a lot of love for Nebraska, Justin? Who? Monty Road from Pinnacle Realty. You like that transition there? Yeah, that was, that was pretty smooth. <laughs> yeah, so we were, we were uh, messaging back and forth with, with Monty, and he was, he was pointing out that uh, interest rates are at historic lows right now, like maybe even less than 3%. So... Uh, I don't know. I think if if you're thinking about buying a house, especially in the Lincoln area, or know someone who who is, it might not hurt to to shoot them a text and just start chatting. I mean, you don't have to you don't have to text them and say, "Hey, I I, I want you to work. I want to work with you." But you could say you could start a conversation, get the relationship going, and then as you build a comfort level and get to know one another and feel more comfortable with where the market's going, um, couldn't hurt. Yeah, it's one of those things where with a decision that important it probably helps to have somebody in your corner before it's like go time, right? So right. so having somebody that you've talked with this stuff about who already knows what kind of home you're looking for, what what you're hoping to do in the future with your family, I think that that's, I think that, that, that's just smart. So yeah. um, no harm in reaching out to him. I'm sure he's happy to start that conversation and start building that relationship, even if it's, you know, six months to a year from now before you're even thinking about taking your first step. You might as yeah. well get started right now. I mean, what else are you doing? You're sitting at home? Pick up the phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you can text him at 402-770-3356, or you can email him at Monty Rohde, that's M-O-T-Y dot R-O-H-D-E, at prglincoln.com. Also, we can't forget about Central Nebraska Buffalo. I did see a pretty cool post from Kendra the other day talking about uh, how everything is kind of changing right now. Everything's upside down, backwards. Uh, But one thing that she wanted to get out there is that one thing that's not changing at Central Nebraska Buffalo is their prices. Okay, so uh, she just writes this. If anything, we're trying to figure out how to provide you meat at a discounted price. We care about you. Our customers come before us in this business. So, like, if it hasn't already been apparent as we've been doing this with them for about the last year now, Central Nebraska Buffalo is, like, the epitome of, like, grassroots, homegrown, you want to support the home team kind of business, right? So, um you know, Justin and I, before the podcast, we were just talking about how the reality is, is that like food processing, uh, specifically meat processing is kind of up in the air right now. I know I kind of joked about it last week, but the reality is, is, hey, here are some people that you can support locally who you know are going to be a trusted and consistent source of meat where you can feed your family. It's an important time to, to have that consistent source. Do you realize how many times I look for chicken nuggets? Over the last month, <laughs> a lot. Uh, finally found some, but let's just say like f- frozen uh, chicken nuggets chicken are nuggets? flying off the shelves. Oh man! <laughs> so let's make buffalo fly through airmail. <laughs> are you saying give the buffalo wings? Mm. I think that's not what we're advertising. Here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> 
How do we get on the chicken? Oh my goodness. No. Actually, that's something that always confused me, though, when I was a kid. I don't know if you have this memory, but my first memory of Buffalo anything was when, I think it was Domino's did their Buffalo Wings commercial. I don't know. Anyway. I don't remember As it that. turns out, Buffalo, the flavoring is a reference to Buffalo, New York. Right. I, I did not know that for years, and so I was always like, why do they, why do, they do that? Truth be told, I'm the kind of person who would put buffalo sauce on buffalo meat. I requested, well, I didn't request. My wife and I did like the grocery ordering and they Mm -hmm. subbed out some hot sauce with some buffalo sauce. And then when I got the buffalo sauce, it was like three times larger than the hot sauce I'd ordered. And then you could look on their scale of hotness and this particular buffalo sauce was was pretty much just mild. It was basically just like runny or ketchup. Uh, what a disappointment. Yeah, I know you're a big spicy food guy, so I do. My kids they keep wanting to try the hot sauce, and I'm like, I <laughs> I don't know. Like you think some really you think a little bit too much pepper is spicy, mm. so I don't know if you want to try this. <laughs> well, speaking of spicy. The length of this podcast is starting to get. <laughs> it's gonna get be a, a long hot. one. It's gonna be a long one. <laughs> if you're still listening at this point, tweet at us, text us, let us know. I'm curious if anybody does. Here's the code word. Use the use the hashtag Spicy Justin. <laughs> <laughs> How about just hashtag Spicy? Yeah, use the hashtag Spicy when tweeting at us this week, and we'll know that you made it to the end. Yep, you're true blue. <laughs> We'll give you actually no. Let's do that. If you use the hashtag, if you tweet at us with the hashtag Spicy this week, we'll give you a shout out on next week's episode. (laughs) All right, no, I think that's fair. Now I just have to remember it. That's beautiful. Oh, I'll remember hashtag Spicy Pod. (laughs) I'd say tweet tweet at us before Sunday night because that's when we'll probably record our intro for for my conversation with Mike Carmen, which is already in the can. Ooh, ready to roll with that. Well, hey, speaking of in the can. What? No. (laughs) Let's just, uh, let's wrap this one up, huh? All right. Go Big Red, Mike. Go Big Red. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is an unofficial, non-commercial podcast and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast belong solely to the individuals expressing them. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with the Nebraska Cornhuskers or the University of Nebraska. Nebraska.